All right, it is good to be with you today. We thank the Lord to be able to come over and be in the Philippines. We love the Filipino people. And uh, years ago, Pastor Bill, or Brother Bill and I were serving together on a staff in the United States at Mount Zion Baptist Church. And we sat in a staff meeting, and Pastor Bill began to share the burden that God was developing in his heart to come back to the Philippines because he was born here and to plant a Bible-believing church. And so we began to pray with him about that. Nobody at Mount Zion wanted to lose Bill and Marcia. We love them. The people love them. But God often chooses choices servants out of our midst, doesn't he? To go and either pastor a church or be a missionary or start a church. And so he did that. And they came over here seven and a half years ago. And uh, we were over five years ago to visit them. We're very excited about what God's doing in Tigig City. But that is one representation of the many works that God is working in. And He's interested in every single one and has His hand on the works that are represented here today. When we have a shepherd's retreat, our goal is to threefold. Our goal is to, number one, encourage. We know that the ministry drains every tank that somebody has. So when somebody goes to work in the secular world, they go to work and they may be drained physically and they may be drained mentally, but generally they don't deal with the spiritual warfare that we deal with every day in the work of the ministry with people. And so we understand in ministry and having been in it for 25 years now, I understand that it is very easy to get drained where all your tanks your physical tank, your mental tank, your spiritual tank, run on empty. And so one of the goals of the Shepherd's Retreat is to allow pastors and their wives and uh, missionaries and assistant pastors and so on, we're glad all of you are here today, to come to a place and get some encouragement. One of the ways that happens is through fellowship with one another, isn't it? And so we trust that over the meal today and in between the sessions, You'll have a time to meet some other people, get a chance to talk, maybe be able to share a burden in prayer with one another. But we find encouragement that way. Another goal of the Shepherd's Retreat is to enrich, is to enrich us. Most of us are giving out all of the time. Ladies, many times in children's ministries or ladies' ministries or whatnot. And men through the pulpit ministry and teaching and preaching. And if we're going to give out, we have to take in. We have to keep ourselves saturated in the Scripture. So this is a day that has enrichment behind it, encouragement behind it, and then equipping behind it. And some of that's going to happen through truth presented today, but I know for the ladies uh, in the gift bags today, there is a thumb drive and it has all kinds of Bible visuals that you can use with children so you can plug the thumb drive in, see a whole bunch of different visuals, songs and stories, whatnot, that you can print off. Our goal is to be able to equip. And the notebook, gentlemen, today is an equipping tool for you to be able to take things back and to be able to rehearse those, be affected by those, transfer those uh, to others. And so equipping, enriching, and encouraging. That was what we designed the Shepherd's Retreat around. We've been doing this for a number of years in the States. We're glad to come to the Philippines. And I'm very glad that all of you are here. I'm also glad to be able to have uh, Dr. Rick Kintan here, who is a 
very, very uh, respected pastor in this area and all of his work going into training. How many of you were in his class? All right, this week? And guess what? You're in more classes today. So uh, class, 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 class. I wish I could have gotten up there. We came in too late to get into the start of that. Uh, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119 and verse number 18. My wife and I are celebrating 25 years of ministry this year and 25 years of marriage. So we got married back in 99. We went on a little trip together and we came back and we jumped into ministry full-time together and have been in ministry full-time ever since. And so we're here in the Philippines for eight days and then we're going back to my, my wife's home country that she was born in, Korea, which she's never been to since she was born, and we're going to visit Korea together and celebrate some, some of our anniversary uh, over there. And so uh, I got many of your pictures. If you're a pastor and uh, your wife is here today, uh, many of our people in our church sponsored so you could be here. They, they gave. So they gave money so we could have a nice place and a nice meal today. Because they love preachers. We teach our people to love God's men and God's women. And so uh, if I did not get your picture, I want to get your picture and show you the picture of your sponsor from our church. And we want to make that connection today. In honor of what I'm going to read and what I'm going to teach on today, I would like to open in prayer. If you're looking in your notebook, it's behind the orange tab in your notebook will be the handout that I'll be uh, working through in this lesson together. I know lunch is next, so I will try not to go overtime, okay? Because your stomachs will start growling, all right? And so I know you would like to get a good lunch, and we want you to have a good lunch. Is there any urgent prayer request before we go to prayer today? Anybody have something on their heart that you would like to share briefly before we go to prayer today? Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark was on his way here, Racktack. Maybe some of you know him. Uh, however, he had a tire uh, go flat, and so we're praying that he could make it today. And uh, let's see, Brother Batista, your wife, you had a prayer request this morning. Um, did you tell me about that? Your father, okay, is not feeling well at all. Okay, what is his first name? Alberto. Roberto. Okay, let's pray for him as we open our time today. Lord, we thank you for the believers that are here. We thank you how you're using them. Lord, you're a great God. Lord, you're a God of justice and at the same time mercy. You're a God that is holy and you're a God that's love. Lord, we're thankful that we have the scriptures that teach us all about who you are. I pray today, Lord, for uh, Roberto... Mrs. Batista's father, I pray that you would touch his body, Lord. I don't know everything that's going on there, but Lord, you know how to watch over our loved ones. And Lord, I pray that you would care for him today. I pray that you would meet his needs in every way. I pray, Lord, that he would sense your presence near him if he's a believer. And Lord, if he's a believer, I pray for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to bring great comfort to his soul this hour. Lord, we ask as we look into the scriptures that you would open our eyes. Lord, our spiritual eyes. Lord, we're dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit and his illuminating work to teach us through the scriptures. 
And Lord, we don't want to approach that without asking for Your help as the psalmist did. And Lord, I pray by Your Spirit today that You'll take truth and Lord, You'll connect, You'll give us understanding as to how it connects to our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to thank the Lord for all of the ladies here today. Uh, obviously in the work of the ministry, sometimes the men are front and center, most of the time in fact. But we know ladies, you have no lesser role in the church. God uses you and you have vital roles in helping your husbands. But beyond that, in being godly examples of loving your husbands and your children and the older women teaching the younger women. And ladies, we want to thank you for your labors for the Lord. I know many of them are behind the scenes. I know many of them are unseen by others. But I want you to know God is not soon to forget your labors. And we want to recognize you today as a vital part. Listen, I could not do what I do without my dear wife. I know that for a matter of fact. God gave me the perfect help meet to compliment me. She, she takes care of my blind spots. She is a tremendous uh, blessing to our ladies and our young people, our children in our ministry. And uh, I just want to say that uh, you're very, very important to the Lord. And uh, I want to speak a word to encourage all of you today and thank the Lord for each and every one of you. We're in Psalm 119. And uh, Psalm 119, for the Hardacker set the course for this day. Every shepherd's retreat, we have a theme. And so Brother Hardacker, in prayer and in discussion, set the course for this day to be the minister in the study, a day of special Bible education. Psalm 119 is an unbelievable chapter on the Scriptures. In fact, last year in our church, we set a goal to memorize the first 48 verses of Psalm 119 as a church. And so I would work at that and go back and have to work at it again. You know how Scripture memory is. You go back and you go back and you go back again. But in the memorization of it, it gave me a greater love for God's pure Word that we have in our hands today. How many of you know the commentator by the name of Matthew Henry? You're familiar with that commentator, okay? Devotional commentary that's out there today. Matthew Henry's dad told him this. One of his assignments as a young person was to read and meditate on a verse in Psalm 119 every day throughout the year. If he would do that, he would meditate on each verse twice throughout the year. To me, it's no surprise that Henry, having been given that assignment and growing in his love for the Word, actually gave himself to the discipline of writing a whole Bible commentary set on God's Word. Psalm 119 is an enriching chapter when it comes to a love for the Word of God. Uh, I want to share with you that Philip's, uh, Philip Henry said to his children, if they would do this, that will bring you to be in love with all of the rest of Scriptures. That being said, we're looking at verse number 18 today, where it says, where the psalmist prays in Psalm 119, verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Now, while I'm speaking to pastors today, and I'll be speaking to you a little bit about your study throughout the day, 
The truth is this first session is applicable to every believer here. All right? All of us need the help of God and the Spirit when we open a precious copy of the Scriptures to be able to get wondrous things out of His law. I want you to understand something this morning that the psalmist didn't pen make the Scripture easier to understand. He didn't say paraphrase it. He didn't say dilute it. He didn't say corrupt it so I can understand it. He said open my eyes. I need supernatural help so that when I open the Scriptures, I can behold wondrous things out of Thy law. In Psalm 119, there are a number of words that are used in reference to the Scriptures. One of them is the word law. It's the word Torah in the Hebrew. It's used 25 times in Psalm 119. And it means to teach or to direct. Uh, it has the idea of God's law, but it's also God's revelation. Uh, it can be used of a single command or it can be used of the whole body of the law in Scripture. But when you're reading the word law in Psalm 119, that's what it's referring to. Another word that's used in Psalm 119 is the word word. Word. The idea is of the spoken word. That is God's revealed word to man. I know I'm speaking among men that hold a high view of Scripture. When I say high, I believe you believe that we believe in the inspiration of the Scripture. That is the words that we have are the breathed words of God. This is not a human author. This is a divine book. We have a divine author it's God's revelation to man. I could line this book up across thousands of book, books written in human history, but this one sticks out because it's divine. It's inspired. Because it's inspired by God, it's inerrant. It's infallible. It's preserved for us today in our King James Bible copy that you have today. The Word. I want you to understand that when you open God's Word, Maybe study for a message. Maybe study for a kid's Sunday school lesson. Maybe your personal time with the Lord before your day starts. But every time that you open God's Word, God Almighty desires to speak to you. That's why He took time to give us His Word. My friend, that's a very holy time. I don't care if you're studying for a lesson or you're studying for personal use or just personal God to fill your tank, but that's a very holy time. His Word. third word used in Psalm 119 is the word judgments. The word judgments, it means to judge, to determine, to regulate, to discern. So God's Word is a judge. When you open the Scriptures and you ask God to open your eyes that you may behold wondrous things out of His law, what you're asking maybe is that the Spirit is going to judge you. Or He's going to regulate you. Or He's going to discern you. Doesn't the Bible say in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of, the Lord, the word of God is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword? 
And doesn't it say in that verse, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word knows how to get right to the heart. And sometimes when we're reading the Scriptures, the Spirit needs to use the Word as a judge. As a judge. Maybe today, somewhere in a session, the Word's going to be used as a judge. Because when He said, Open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things, He's talking about all the different things that He's going to glean out of the Scriptures. Then there's the word testimonies. The word testimonies. The words related to the word witness. It signifies the loyalty to the terms of the covenant made between the Lord and Israel. The testimonies of God. And oftentimes the Scriptures remind us they are a witness to remind us of our commitment to obey God's truths in our relationship to God. And then the word commandments. All of these words are used over 20 times in the original in, in the original Hebrew in Psalm 119. The commandments uh, emphasize the straight authority of what is said. And who has the right to give us orders but God? And when He gives us a commandment, He has the authority to give us the commandment. And watch this. He also has the expectation that we obey it. He is in that place of authority. We have the word statutes. The word statutes in this chapter. It comes from a verb that means to engrave or to inscribe. Uh, and He has done that. He has put it in print so that we can go back and we can rehearse it. It's declaring His authority and His power in giving us laws. And then we have the word precepts. The word precepts. This word is drawn from the sphere of an officer or an overseer. It is a man who is responsible to look closely into a situation and take action. That's where this word is coming from. And so it is the particular instructions of the Lord of one who cares about the details. That is the Lord. He's our overseer. He is our officer above us. And He is the one that cares about the details. And what are the details? Everything right here. These are the details. Do you believe that there are 67 books in the Bible? We believe in 66 books, don't we? We don't believe there's one jot or there's one tittle. Any little portion of the Hebrew alphabet that's added or taken away from what we have. So God's included all the details for life. I love that passage in 2 Peter chapter 1 that talks about He hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that when God wrote His Word, when He thought about life, and He thought about how to live a godly life, He made sure we had every detail. He wrote the precepts. The precepts of Scripture. And so, um, and then there's another uh, word, and it is the word, but it has a different meaning than the other word. It's a different Hebrew word. In this passage, it's used 19 times in Psalm 119, uh, and it denotes anything that God has spoken, commanded, 
or promised. Aren't you amazed at the promises of God? Tomorrow at Mount Zion Baptist Mission in the Philippines, I'll be teaching on the fear of the Lord. And God gives us a thorough understanding of that topic in Scripture. And one of the things that He attaches to that topic is promises regarding the fear of the Lord. And I'm telling you, as I was studying the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit was opening my eyes that there are amazing promises here. If I will practice the fear of the Lord, these are the sure promises, these are the words of promise that God would give me and I could anchor to in my life. And so all of these different words are used in Psalm 119. Uh, I want to give you some thoughts this afternoon or this morning on beholding wondrous things. Beholding wondrous things. For some, wonder is being able to go to the top of one of the tallest buildings in the world and being able to look out over a city and, or maybe through a glass floor all the way down and that's wonder, that's awe, they're stunned, they're, they're overwhelmed. For others, awe or wonder comes when they get to pick out a brand new car and... Maybe they've never had a brand new car, but they pick out a brand new car and there's awe and there's wonder. For some, watching a sporting event creates wonder. Oh, I can't believe he could do that. Oh, I can't believe that she could shoot a basketball that way or whatnot. But did you know the greatest wonder for the believer is what God has in His Word. The psalmist had a very high view of the scripture because he knew that if he took time to open his eyes and spend time in the Word of God, God would open his eyes to wondrous things. Things that were amazing. Things that would minister to the spirit of a man. You understand most of what we see with our eyes doesn't minister to the spirit. It ministers to the body. It affects the mind. But do you understand the Word of God? It ministers to the Spirit. It's what God designed to affect your spirit, the part of you that communicates with God. That's wonderful. So how do I behold wondrous things? Number one in your notes, if you're taking notes, put this down. It's a simple principle out of Psalm 119, but it's an important reminder for all of us today. And that is prayer must precede your time in the study. Prayer must precede your time in the study. Gentlemen that are in the ministry, may I remind you, don't run to the commentaries first. I'm not dependent on Henry's commentary or his interpretation. All men can be fallible in the Scriptures, but the Holy Spirit can. We are most... We are... We should be most dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Didn't John say, many of you studied the Johannine epistles this week, didn't John say in 1 John uh, that we need not an anointing because we have that anointing, which is the Spirit of God, and His work is illumination, His work is to open our understanding of truth. Some of us that have been in the ministry for some time, you know what, it's easy to rest on our laurels and our experience 
and our knowledge and our past study of the Scriptures. But may I remind you this morning that all of us need to be reminded to begin our study of the Scriptures with, Lord, open my eyes. I am dependent upon You. Ladies, when you open your Bible to study for that lesson or you open your Bible to have that time with the Lord, that precious time with the Lord, be reminded prayer should precede study. Open mine eyes. The verb open in Psalm 119 verse 18 is used in the Balaam story where the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. You remember that in the Old Testament? He opened Balaam's eyes so that he could see the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the cross drawn. Or in other words, prior to the Lord's work of opening, Balaam was blind to what was in front of him. Hmm. Is it possible that I could be blind to truth without the aid of the Lord in opening the Scriptures? Certainly, that it has to do, the word open has to do with removing a veil or a covering. Did you know that there are some passages in Scripture that are hard to understand? One of them that I've been studying is Simon the Sorcerer. He, was, he believed, and he was even baptized, but then Peter perceived he was in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. So, helping me to understand how did Simon get there? What was Simon's spiritual condition? Boy, I need the leadership of the Lord. I need God to take the veil off the Scriptures. You see, what the psalmist admitted was this. He could not lean on his own understanding and get everything from the book that he needed. I know many are serious students of the Word of God here. I'm thankful for that. But can I remind you, no matter how serious a student, we haven't graduated to no need of the Holy Spirit. If anything, we know, we know the dangers in Bible study today. We know the liberalism in Bible study today. We need the aid of the Holy Spirit. We need God to open our eyes. The fault was not in the Word. The fault was in the beholder. The fault was in the beholder. Some people think the Word is faulty because their spiritual vision is faulty. Somebody that gets into the Word and is constantly criticism. By the way, I'm against all textual criticism. We're to receive the, God as it, the Word of God as it is the Word of God, not as the Word of men, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 13. But when we're looking at the Word, if we don't understand, it's not the Word's fault. God didn't make a mistake. God put it just like it should be put. It's that we need help. And so in order to keep God's Word, we have to understand God's Word, don't we? We need that understanding. We need that Spirit of God's help. The psalmist didn't need new revelation. By the way, he didn't need new experience either. The Pentecostals of our day are looking for experience Experience trumps truth. I'm looking for something to make me feel closer to God. The psalmist didn't say, open my experience. He said, open my eyes. I need to behold wondrous things out of thy law. He didn't need new eyes. He needed to see more clearly 
with the eyes that He already had. Can I get you this point under this and we'll move on this morning? Personal dependence versus God dependence will limit what you see in the Scriptures. Personal dependence. I just open the Bible and I'm just going to look at it from what I see. Now we're going to teach how to observe a little bit later some things that will help us in observation. But if I'm totally dependent upon that and I'm not God dependent and I don't pray, God, open my eyes, I will miss what God wanted to give me. It's not that I can't get anything out, but I will miss what God wanted me to have. Do you think that God would answer your prayer of open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things? In Psalm 119 verse 27 in your Bible, Psalm 119 verse 27, make me to understand the way of thy precepts so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Gentlemen, in the study, in the pastoring, you're giving out constantly, right? Constantly. Midweek service, Sunday schools, and morning services, evening services, special services. Notice the prayer here. Make me to understand so that I can talk. In other words, Lord... If I don't have your help to understand this wonderful book, I may not talk right when I tell others about it. Do you understand the prayer here is preceding the study saying, I am dependent upon the Lord. I need His help in understanding what He has written. And so... Number one, prayer should precede your study. Number two, expectation should accompany your study. Expectation should accompany your study. Go back to verse number 18, Psalm 119, verse number 18. Open thou mine eyes, and let's read it without some of these words, that I may behold your law. Could have the Spirit carried along the author here, the writer, to write the Word of God that way? Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold thy law. He could have. But do you believe that every word of Scripture is important? Every word has purpose. And so he wrote here, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. He could have written, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold a wondrous thing out of thy law. Boy, if you get one wondrous thing, aren't you thrilled? You ever been studying, you come across the verse, and whoo, boy, I didn't think of it that way before. Oh, the Holy Spirit helped me to have a better understanding of that text. And you're glad about the one thing, and maybe you got to go and talk to somebody about it and share it with somebody. But he didn't say, Be open thou mine eyes and behold a wondrous thing, though I'm glad for a wondrous thing. He said, Open thou mine eyes and behold wondrous things out of thy law. It is a mine that you can never find all the gold. When you dig, you're just going to find precious, precious 
precious metals all the time. Didn't the psalmist say in Psalm 19, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Ladies, if you can think of that 24 karat, that high color diamond, if you walked into a mall and you saw a jewelry store and you went and you find the, found the, the, the greatest priced diamond there with the highest gold band, the highest quality of gold band, what God said about His Word is that it will be more precious, more valuable than fine gold. You can't put a price tag on it. What you find in God's Word. When we open, God opens us up the Scriptures, it begins to burn something in our heart. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter number 24. The consequences of God answering this simple prayer, open my eyes, is the ability to see wondrous things. That's an answer to prayer. You say, preacher, I'm in my personal Christian life and there's some prayers I'm praying that God doesn't want to seem to answer or at least I'm not getting an answer right now. And maybe you feel like, boy, the heavens are like just a ceiling. My prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Here's a prayer you ought to pray every day and I believe God would answer it. It's in accordance with His will. When we pray in accordance with His will, He heareth us, right? We have the petitions desired of Him. If you pray, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things today out of Thy law. You think God would answer that prayer? You think the Holy Spirit would be alive to come into your life and into your mind and into your spirit that morning and begin to do what He did with the two on the road to Emmaus. Look at Luke 24. Look at verse 31. And their eyes were opened and they knew Him and He vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us the Scriptures. What did it do to their heart? It kindled it. It lit it, so to speak. It awakened it spiritually. When He opened unto them the Scriptures, they said, they said did not our hearts burn within us? It stirs us to preach it. I don't know about you preachers, but when I've been in the study... And the Spirit's teaching me. And He's a master teacher. Greater than any other teacher in my life is the Holy Spirit. And when He gives me the truth, I am ready to launch it. It is burning within my soul till I get to the pulpit or till I get to the place, whether it's a home Bible study that I'm doing with a new convert or I'm preaching uh, in the pulpit. It is burning. It is churning. That is exciting. God offers that for every believer. Everybody that has the Holy Spirit, every believer that has the Holy Spirit, He offers this opening of the eyes, this work of illumination. Can you remember before you were saved? You didn't have that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, before somebody becomes a believer, they can't open this book 
and understand all the wondrous things that a believer can understand. Why? What are they missing? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The teacher. But when you become a believer, you have the eye-opener that resides in you. And He's ready to open your eyes and burn the Word of God into your heart. The Holy Spirit makes the Word alive to us. Uh, to see things that are new and unexpected, to see things that are great, to see things that are beautiful, to see the mysteries of Scripture. It was about a year and a half ago, my brother-in-law sent me a PDF file via email. And he had done a study, wrote a little booklet on the mysteries of Scripture. The word mystery in Scripture, that which is hidden, that which is veiled, all right, which we need God to open our eyes. Boy, I read that book. And the Holy Spirit used that. And I got excited about some of the things that I didn't have as full of understanding as I had when I read and studied those verses that that book directed me to. You see, He wants to do that for you. But could I say this? That that doesn't happen without you praying. Without you having an expectation that God would do that. And without thirdly, diligence should define your study. Diligence should define your study. Turn back to Psalm 119. Look at verses 19 and 20. Verse number 19, I am a stranger in the earth. Any of you feel that way today? I'm a stranger here. All right? This world is not my home. It's not your home. Uh, the way the world continues to go, especially in America, I feel more strange. I feel weird. And I haven't changed what I believe. But everything else is changing around me. Good night, I had to go to a public school meeting a year ago, and I had to stand up and defend two genders. Than that there's no transgender. And I had to read Romans 1 in front of a bunch of transgender people. I'm thinking, wait, I'm not the strange one. But this world is strange. The psalmist saw that. He says, I'm a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Huh. Lord, I don't see your commandments in action around me in this world. But Lord, continue to reveal Your truth to me. God, Your commands to me. Look at verse 20. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto Thy judgments at all times. That phrase, my soul breaketh, is an interesting phrase. It means to strain at something so much as though you break a vein in your body. Years ago, I was in Bible college. And I had three roommates, so four in the room, and we had a push-up competition, right? Push-up competition. And uh, I had a couple roommates that were very strong, and I am not strong. But I participated in the competition. And I wanted to try to at least get close to 80 push-ups, because that's what the other guys did was 80. And so I started doing push-ups. And when I started doing push-ups, I stopped breathing. 
I just held my breath. <laughs> and uh, about 72, um, I felt something go awry in my eye. And I had busted a artery up there. And so I looked in the mirror and my eye was bloodshot. Because I was giving so much diligence to the push-ups, I forgot. I need to breathe. You need to breathe. Here the picture is of somebody that's giving such effort to something that they're straining that it breaks something in them. Hmm. That's diligent. You ever seen somebody lift weights? Big guys, three, four hundred pounds of weight. Oh, right? And some of them, they got back belts on, and some of them hurt themselves, and they pull leg muscles and back muscles. And they probably can't walk by the time they're 40 years old, but at least they can, weigh, they can lift 500 pounds. Right? Psalmist was communicating here a longing that drove him to work as a workman in the Scriptures. And so, the longing to find out and learn Scriptures. Look at verse 40, Psalm 119, verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. How many of you ladies have had children here? Raise your hand if you've had a child. You remember those nine months prior? You remember the longing to deliver the child? Like, let's get this over with. It's been long enough already, right? Right? But that longing was to... Why was that longing there? It was there because you could see on the other side, couldn't you? What was coming? Oh, could you get a love for the Scriptures in the Shepherd's Retreat to have that longing that's willing to go through the travail, the work, the diligence of study, knowing what's coming out the other side? are the wondrous things that are much more precious than even fine gold. It takes diligence. Diligence. It's not, this was, this longing was at all times. It was at all times. Look at verse 20. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. All times. Mine. That's powerful. That longing wasn't here and then gone. It wasn't one day a week and six days off. It was a longing that was in his soul at all times. Ooh, that's a sign of spiritual maturity. That's a sign of a healthy appetite when that longing is there. Have you ever met somebody that's been struggling with getting into the Word of God and they ask you, how do I get my appetite back? You pray and you ask God to behold wondrous things. Help you to open your eyes that you may behold wondrous things. You go with expectation that there are wondrous things and you give diligence. And if you'll follow that, the wondrous things 
will stir the appetite. It'll stir the burning in the soul again. The hunger for the Scriptures. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. If you look at the meaning of the word diligent in our English language, it's characterized by steady, earnest, energetic effort. Steady, earnest, energetic effort. In America, somebody can be lazy. What does that mean? One of those words isn't true. They may be energetic. They may be um, earnest. But they may not be steady. Energetic and earnest. In your Bible study, could I ask you this question? Are you diligent? Are you steady? Are you earnest about it? Are you energetic about it? Gentlemen and ladies, can I give you this advice? Give your best hours of your day to study God's Word. Give the best hours of your day. Be diligent to be thorough in your study. Pastors, young pastors, pastors in training, young men thinking about the ministry, can I encourage you to avoid last-minute preparation. Can I encourage you to be diligent, not to be last-minute, not to be unprepared. Can I encourage you to not do it off the cuff? Can I encourage you to write down your thoughts so that they're measured words? Because God's Word is measured. Most of what I'm speaking today is almost verbatim what's in my notes. Because I try to take time to measure my words when I speak because God's words are measured. I don't want to be flippant. I don't want to misrepresent the Scriptures. I want to be accurate. I want to say, thus saith the Lord, and cut it straight. But you can't do that without diligence. It requires diligence. I do want to take some time here as I end to look out some handouts. We have just about five minutes to look at the handouts and then I'll turn it over to Pastor or Brother Bill for lunch today. In the orange section after this first notes, you can skip the next page. I'll be dealing with staying on track in ministry in my second session. Page two and three you can skip. But then for those of you that are pastors, um, this chart here was put out by a man by the name of Tom Ward. Building blocks of an expository message. All right, um, and I, I believe it's an excellent, excellent uh, process to follow in your study. All right, so it deals with reading, um, praying for spirit illumination. Do you see that down the bottom corner? How does every message start? If it's given by God, it should start with what? Prayer. Prayer. Right? And then determining the purpose or the portion to be preached. Oftentimes we're preaching a paragraph of Scripture, or sometimes not even that. All right? And then reading the text over and over again and meditating, doing a basic outline of the text, studying the historical background of the text. Now, I don't pull this out every time I preach today. But I've developed a pattern or a habit of study that follows these steps. All right? 
That doesn't get done in 20 minutes. Doesn't. Usually hours upon hours as we develop our tools and we develop uh, how to use those things. But that is an excellent pattern to follow. We'll be in between breaks today. I'm sure if you want to talk to Dr. Quinton, he could give you some information about some of these blocks. Talk to myself if we can be a help. But that is a good chart there, good chart for when you're studying. The other handouts that I gave you uh, are things that we took our people through in our church as far as varying their personal study, and our people have benefited greatly from it. Okay? So in personal devotions, it's very easy to get into a rut where you're doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And sometimes we need to be able to change it up, don't we? And variety is good. And so the Bible gives us Bible characters to study. You have a handout that talks about how to study a Bible character. And you can teach through this with your people and then give them a handout to do their own, which we do, and then some of our people that are taking this for credit turn these in and we grade these. But Bible, Bible character study. And then you'll see the next page is an idea for your... Or I may have skipped one there. Yeah, the next one is an uh, idea for your church. In fact, our church is doing this while I'm gone. Our other two pastors will be leading this. But they're doing a book study. And a book study, uh, they're dealing with um, the general epistles of James. And then we give them a, thing, a list of things to look for. We read it together once. And people share what they observed, what they found. And then we listen to it together a second time, the whole book at a time. And then we uh, also, they're looking for different things the second time they go through. And then we give them a paperback Bible that looks like this, which is just, these are the general epistles, but all kinds of place to write. And so as they're listening or as other people are reading, they can make notes, they can underline words, they can put question marks, uh, they can define a word. And uh, the book study is a tremendous building exercise because as your people are with you, what's happening? They're learning to observe. See, when I preach, I'm teaching some of that when I'm explaining words, when I'm giving background. But when they're sitting down with me and they're doing it together with me, all right, they are growing in learning how to do it. And what we want to do is not teach, but we want to teach how to do it. We want them to get our teaching but we want to develop them in their understanding of the study. And so uh, there's that book study idea there for you as an equipping and some questions of James. And then the last thing I put in here just as an idea is a chronological reading of the Bible. So three years ago, we took our people through a chronological reading where the passages are bro broken down chronologically, not in the order of the books. And I have some people doing this this year, and they just came up to me two weeks ago, Pastor, I am getting so much more out of reading through the Bible, doing it chronologically, because things connect, right? Time frame connects. And so there's that handout as well. So as you leave today, may you be reminded, pray and ask God to behold wondrous things out of His book. Lord, open my eyes. God bless you.